yeah, tell us you didn't have that role model. So how did you learn to do these things? Sure. So did not have a role model at all growing up. I did have a few coaches that took interest in me, but they have their own families, but they would invest in me during practice time or game time and or banquet times and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But really after coming to know the Lord and really understanding the difference between living in the world's kingdom versus God's kingdom, that's a, a huge paradigm shift or a mind shift that God gave me. So now I have to start thinking differently in the way that God has created us. So one of the big, the most practical things that I remember is, and this is after I was married, uh, mm -hmm. I went to counseling and, mm -hmm. and because I had some abuse in my background. Mm -hmm. So I went to counseling and one of the most practical things I could do was view myself as God viewed me. That was step number one. And so what I would do is I would say hundreds of times a day, Lori, I'm a child of the King. I'm a child of the King. And that was that reprogramming of what God, how God sees me versus how the world had treated me in the past. And so from there, once I was believing what God was saying about me, that started opening my heart to receive and to learn more of what God had for me going forward. God is a father to the fatherless. 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 Hey everyone, I am so glad you have joined us today for the Help I'm Raising Fatherless Kids podcast. I'm your host, Lori Apon. And we are going to include in this podcast from time to time what I'm calling Trophies of Grace. These are men and women who grew up without a dad in the home, and yet God fathered them, um, sometimes when they didn't even realize He was fathering them. And then they came to know the Lord as their Savior, and then they began to recognize that God was Father. And so um, for a lot of these people, they shouldn't be living the life they're living with the great loss that they had. And I know a lot of you out there are wondering, you know, are my kids going to be okay with what they've had to go through? And so I'm super excited today. And we're in a mini series since Father's Day is around the corner. And so we're talking about Father's Day, which is a tender time for all families who don't have a dad in the home. And so you may have already heard an episode on that, or we're going to be talking about that. But part of that is talking to fatherless fathers. And so at the beginning of this today, I would love for you to share this podcast. If there's another mom who is in the trenches, or maybe there's a fatherless young man out there that you think, wow, this would encourage him. So we really would love for you to share these episodes with others. But I am here to welcome Chris Tuttle. He is a man I have utmost respect for. I will get emotional because God has used Chris and his wife, Diane, and our family for over two decades. He is a husband to a beautiful wife, Diane, and they have three sons. He's a very successful businessman. He is one that disciples others as a way of life. He and his wife lead a class for 
engaged couples, those who are, are seeking to get married, and he mentoring is his passion. But the thing that I think about when I think of Chris Tuttle is servant. He is a servant. So he has served on the Prospective Ministries Board of Directors. He serves his family. He serves his church. And he just serves as a way of life. And so welcome, Chris. I'm so glad you're here today. Yeah, thank you, uh, Lori. And it's been a pleasure to be a part of your journey and uh, with your family and have learned a lot uh, from uh, you and your family as well, too. So it's great to be on, on today. Well, let's get started. I know today's conversation, the goal is really threefold. We want to hear your loss. We want to hear about your loss of a dad in your life. And then we really want to hear the game, God's presence in your life, how he fathered you and how he was there for you. And I look forward to hearing how you can encourage moms who are in the trenches and other guys. You have navigated this journey well. So Chris, why don't we start with just share some of your story of how you became fatherless and how old you were when when you no longer had a dad in your life. Sure. So my story starts when I was four years old. That's when my mom and dad were divorced and it was a very bitter divorce that happened. And my dad moved out and moved away just only about 15 miles away, but never saw him. So mm -hmm. there were years, uh, decades that went by. And so one of the things that I remember back in, in that day was just not having my dad show up to any of my sporting events. I played sports uh, baseball since I was, uh, well, swam when I was starting at four years old. I was on the swim team until 12, played mm -hmm. baseball from eight until 13, then football from eighth grade all the way through college. And my dad never showed up to one of those games ever, oh, Chris. ever. So that uh, wow. was quite a um, uh, difficult time in my life because I would see all other families doing that. But the, that really, my fatherless was uh, through divorce. Mm. Uh, and then there was no interaction at all from my dad uh, during that time. So that's kind of my background when it comes to being fatherless. I am deeply sorry for that pain. That's just hard. Four years old and your dad leaves and then to be available mm -hmm. location-wise and he chose not to, that's extreme abandonment. And so I'm sorry. I will say to you moms who are listening, one thing that is remarkable about Chris is you would never know this thanks to the grace of God over his Amen. life. He doesn't have that shroud of fatherlessness that I know you're afraid of because I know you hear the statistics and you just have this fear that my son is or my daughter is going to be so deeply impacted. And that's just not always the case. That's just not always true. And so I know a lot of you are listening today. I'm thrilled to have this story of loss by divorce because we are talking to any mom who is raising a child who doesn't have a dad in the home. And that might be by death, but it is often by divorce and sometimes desertion, which Chris, I hear you saying you had a little bit of both, really. Yes. 
Yeah, that that was there. And as I look back, and that was one of the things that had a huge impact on me, because I know some families that had a loss by death and their dad couldn't show up, mm-hmm. but my dad could show up and mm-hmm. chose not to. Mm-hmm. So that that was a pain that I, I carried for many years, uh, really all the way through high school, really noticed it in high school. And then in my first years of college, mm-hmm. noticed that as well, too, because I had people or um, my classmates that had family members that were sending them packages, showing up on parents weekend, it didn't have any of that uh, going on for me. And so that's uh, when the realization really hit me and the bitterness set mm-hmm. in, the mm-hmm. anger set in, uh, and the emotional really trauma set in during that time because I really started to realize what was missing during those years. I know moms, you're really concerned about your children in the early years and you should be, not not in a negative way, but you have a, a valuable part that you're playing in their lives. Mm-hmm. Planting seeds of hope and really putting in a foundation that they can build on. But a lot of times grief is dormant. And especially what I've observed, again, this podcast is just um, my, what I bring to the table is years of observation. And so I have observed that men really often don't grieve that dad loss until high school, some of these bigger milestones and even college. And so at that point, mom, you you really have faded into the background. And so um, that's why I'm so thankful, Chris, that you're here today because you've lived it. And so that's why I can't wait to hear how you worked through. You mentioned bitterness setting in and and just the fact that, you know, again, envy is the greatest enemy. So here mm. you're envy and possibly other care packages coming from dads and Um, I was just recently in a group of widows who have had people on the outside of widowhood envying us, believe it or not, you know, wow, everybody's doing things for you all the time. So it's just how Satan works. He loves Mm -hmm. to always make the grass look greener on the other side. And God is always working, even what was meant for evil, for good. So how did you wrestle with this great loss of your dad? over time as you're talking about the things that happened in college and high school? Yeah, that was uh, a time of me just really understanding who I was. And during that time in college, so in August of 1988, I was starting my sophomore year and I went to a Christian university. So we uh, had to go to chapel a couple of times a week. And we also, I went to church on Sunday morning and Sunday night uh, Mm -hmm. as, and I was not a believer, but my mom started going to church after the divorce of my dad. Mm -hmm. So I had the drug problem. I was drugged to church (laughs) (laughs) all my, all my, all my uh, drug problem. It is. It was a great drug problem, um, but did not make a commitment to Christ until I was 19 years old. So, so that my mom really laid the foundation of bringing me to church and exposing me to the uh, God's word, exposing me to the community of believers, mm-hmm. but didn't really own that until that sophomore year. And so when I made a decision for Christ, I remember it was a Sunday night. Paul Cunningham was preaching at the church in Olathe, Kansas. 
mm-hmm. College Church of the Nazarene, mm-hmm. and he preached a, a a wonderful sermon on Father, you know, God being your Father. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have that, and so I went down and committed my life to Christ at that moment uh, in August of 1988. So then. From there, learning that I had bitterness and had unforgiveness in my heart towards my mom and my dad, Mm -hmm. Uh, not because I had the loss of my mom, because from the standpoint of she's working three jobs, Mm -hmm. so I'm by myself Mm -hmm. most of my uh, years of growing up in elementary school, middle school, and then from there. God really uh, gave her a nice job working at the local college with benefits, you know, so mm-hmm. she could get rid of her other two jobs that she was working. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I had to work through that forgiveness. And so that's really what God taught me was, hey, forgiveness is is not setting the other person free, but it's setting yourself free for from sure. all for that bitterness and turmoil and yeah. the biblical model of that. And so that's where God really started working in my life is that in that area of forgiveness. Which is huge. And like you say, it's it's really not about the other person. It's about God. And and when we really understand how much he has forgiven us and, and we mm-hmm. look at it through that lens and that perspective, then it makes a difference. Well, praise the Lord that he made himself known to you through a message on fatherhood. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's amazing. So one thing I'm just curious, because I know men and women without a dad, some of their struggles are unique and then some are kind of across the board. And one thing that I've seen in young men growing up without a dad is just this struggle for fear of failure. You know, the affirmation from a dad for the man, for young men is huge. So did you struggle with a fear of failure? Yeah, I would definitely identify with that. And so uh, I did struggle with a fear of failure, Mm -hmm. which I think also was more personal for me is that fear of acceptance Mm -hmm. too. So I was a people pleaser for many, many years, (laughs) many, many years. Yes. And so with that uh, came an issue in my life where I was wanting to present myself as someone that was successful, but behind the scenes was going into debt. So Mm -hmm. I turned to Mm -hmm. financial debt to then mask how I really was feeling Mm -hmm. or showing myself or feeling what true success is at that point in time. And so, yeah, that was the area that I went down and um, in my early marriage with Diane as well. Mm-hmm. But praise God, we can say now that uh, we are debt-free mm-hmm. and we are investing in God's kingdom. And mm-hmm. right now we uh, support six different ministries uh, oh. today uh, on a monthly basis. And, and God has been tremendously graceful in that after seeking help in that area uh, as well. But yeah, fear of failure was something that I identified with. I know women may struggle with that, but not like I think men do. Women struggle more in, am I beautiful? And and our identity, you know, and which for both identity needs to be in Jesus Christ. But I understand some of you may be foreign to this whole faith thing who are listening today. So it's my prayer that the Lord will draw you to himself because he really is the only one that can satisfy our deepest needs. And 
Uh, so you just say so much. I will say, Chris, one thing, another observation is you are overwhelmingly generous. And so to hear that you struggled with that is just a great victory. It's almost like you all are generous to the point of hilarious giving, you know, I mean, it's like you and you look for ways and I've watched you lead your children and include your children in this generosity. And again, that wasn't modeled for you. And so that's, that's what I want to know. How did you learn that? You know, I mean, how did you get to, I want you to give us some practical things, practical ways that moms can, again, a lot of this moms, the beauty that God is father to the fatherless is you're not going to be able to do a lot of these things for your kids. You're going to literally have a front row seat to watch God do an amazing work in the lives of your kids. Your role, again, is plant seeds, be there for your kids, but pray. You know, often I would literally find a release and a relief when I would cry on my pillow at night and I would just say, God, I'm so thankful that you are father. You're almighty God. You, you're all powerful. You can change hearts. And so when I felt so overwhelmed by circumstances or situations or possibly even choices that some of my children might be making or tempted to make, and I knew I was completely out of control, I was comforted by the fact that God was my husband. He was acting as my husband and he would father my kids. So yeah, tell us how you didn't have that role model. So how did you learn to do these things? Sure. So did not have a role model at all growing up. I did have a few coaches that took interest in me, but they have their own families, but they would invest in me during practice time or game time and or banquet times and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, after coming to know the Lord and really understanding the difference between living in the world's kingdom versus God's kingdom, that's a, a huge paradigm shift or a mind shift that God gave me. So now I have to start thinking differently in the way that God has uh, created us. So one of the big, the most practical things that I remember is, and this is after I was married, uh, I went to counseling and, mm-hmm. and because I had some abuse in my background. Mm-hmm. So I went to counseling and one of the most practical things I could do was um, view myself as God viewed me. That was step number one. And so what I would do is I would say hundreds of times a day, Lori, I'm a child of the King. I'm a child of the King. And that was that reprogramming of what God, how God sees me versus how the world had treated me in the past. And so from there, once I was believing what God was saying about me, that started opening my heart to receive and to learn more of what God had for me going forward. And so learning how to be generous was a very difficult thing uh, for me because I was always one that was wanting to present myself as someone that was successful, but behind the scenes was not. Mm -hmm. And then God was telling me that it's better to give than to receive. And so I have to uh, learn how to think differently and learn how to act differently. So that was really my first step in moving from a life of bitterness and anger and despair to a successful life. And and when I talk 
about successful life. I was actually um, talking to another gentleman this week about success in the workplace or success in life. And I believe success that God has given me is uh, peace in relationships in my Mm. workplace, Mm. peace in relationship with my wife and Mm. peace in relationship with my three boys. And now my my daughter-in-law as well, too. Having that kind of peace is really what I can uh, consider success. So that that was one practical way of making sure that I saw who I was in in Christ, in God was, hey, he sees me as, as his child. So now mm-hmm. I'm he's my father. So now I have to start learning what is it, what does he want me to do uh, in those areas? And so that there was uh, another moment in my life when I remember Diane and I were here at the house and I was watching football and Diane asked me to do something. Now, this is what I said in my mind, Laura. I didn't say it out loud because it would have been got me in a lot of huge trouble. <laughs> but in my mind, I, I said, woman, can't you see that I'm watching football? And this was, you know, we're talking 20 years ago or oh, that was about 18 years ago. And God, in that moment, as I was continuing in his word, he revealed to me that, you know, that the least of these are the greatest. And so those that serve are the greatest in his kingdom. So I wanted to continue my kingdom mindset. So that means that I need to humble myself and just serve, Mm. whether it's convenient or not. Mm. And so that was a moment I remember distinctly uh, getting up and helping my wife right Mm. then and there, even though there was something that I wanted to do. So Mm. uh, that was another practical application of of Mm. just removing self and being more God focused than than self focused. So those are two real applications I, I I look back on that really had a huge impact in on my life. That's amazing. So I, what I really hear you saying is God really began fathering you at the point of your salvation, and when you were an adult, when you were a husband, when you were a father yourself, and He did it in amazing ways. His Holy Spirit is amazing. And you most likely put a lot of work into it. You know, I mean, it wasn't easy to get off that couch, leave that game, listen and obey the Lord and serve your wife. And so that's encouraging, I believe, for moms again, because the process is a lifelong. Yes. Um, Have you found that, I'm just curious, that father loss is still part of your life? No doubt you probably still the enemy probably still wants to use that father loss against you sometimes. And so have you felt like, I don't know, I think sometimes moms really want the father loss thing to go away for their kids. Like, let's just deal with it, pack it up. And, and really, I don't know that you really are all done with it, but speak into that a little bit. That, that's a great observation because that is one thing that uh, I continue to carry with me to this day. Mm-hmm. And one of the areas that Satan will remind me of as well, because Mm -hmm. he wants to divide and conquer, and he wants me to think like the old world versus the new world that I live in. And so I used to say, I'm a child of the king. I probably need to say that maybe once a month now, Mm. where it will still come up and I'll still Mm -hmm. have to remind, Mm -hmm. remind myself and remind him, Satan, that I'm a child of the king. Mm-hmm. So there's no no authority. 
you have no authority over my life anymore. And so that is something that I continue to pursue Christ in. So as being in Christ, I pursue that to then continually to remind myself of who I am in Christ and to continue to learn and break off those rough edges that God continues to teach me mm-hmm. in, in his word uh, as I go forward. So I'm currently studying in Romans chapter six, and he, he's telling me in six eleven be dead to sin mm-hmm. and alive to God because dead men cannot sin. However, we right. continue to sin, but dead men, you have to consider yourself dead to that Absolutely. old world every single day. And so I, that it's a great reminder for me right now. And I'm, I'll be 53 this year. And that will be something that I'll continue to remind myself over and over again is his word in my life. And that, that believing that unlocks, it's amazing how God unlocks himself in us when we, we do believe it's amazing. It is. And, you know, just thinking this morning, I was in second Samuel chapter nine, I believe it is where it's the story of David is king and he wants to show kindness to the house of Saul and his friend, Jonathan. Is there anyone left in the house I can show kindness to? <laughs> and yes, there was Mephibosheth. I'm not sure exactly. If Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. Yeah. yeah. It's one of my Great favorite story. stories. Great and we're going to actually have a message on that. I pray at one point on the podcast, but he was lame and King David went and brought this young man. He was really, I think he was in his twenties by that time, but he brought him to the King's table. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I hear you saying, Chris, is you have to have the mindset that, yeah, you may walk with a limp. You may walk with that missing part of your life as a dad, but in reality, we all have a limp. We all walk with something that Satan is going to use against us. It's his favorite. And he's going to pick what works. So for you, Mm -hmm. it's the loss of your dad. For someone else, it's it's something else. But just remind him, I have a seat at the king's table. Moms, tell your kids that. They have a seat at the king's table. And we pray that they will eventually have that eternal seat at the king's table with that relationship, that saving relationship with the Lord Jesus. I just love that. I love that story too, Lori, because one of the things that I identify with that is that Mephibosheth was lame because something that was done to him. For sure. Mm-hmm. It's not something that he did on his own. So mm-hmm. there's things that are done to you. And then there's things that we do on our own that could potentially make us lame. Mm-hmm. And God continued to show favor uh, mm-hmm. to him through David when he invited him to his table. It's a wonderful story of grace. Powerful. It's yeah. so powerful. Yeah. And, you know, I, a lot of times we just want to live with that victim mm-hmm. mentality. And many, many are victims to unimaginable circumstances. Yep. And for yep. those of you out there who have gone through that, I'm deeply sorry. But I also really believe that God takes what was meant for evil and he can use it for good. And that's why this ministry behind the podcast is Perspective Ministries. It's it's the perspective that we take and we need to have God's perspective. As I hear you saying, Chris, that it has been the driving force for you. And we can live victoriously, which is yes. what you have done. So 
I would love for you to encourage these moms today. Chris, again, you didn't come to know the Lord till you were 19. And then it was a journey from that point into your adulthood that God began a work. So when you were anticipating marriage, but today we're focused on really fatherhood. Mm -hmm. So did you have some fears when you were anticipating, you know, as Diane is carrying your first child, you know, as you anticipated being a father, that's another moment where a lot of dormant grief can come out for, for young men. So what were some of your fears? And then how did God lead you as a fatherless father? Because I can tell you, you're one of the best. Your sons are amazing. And again, you would not know that you had been fatherless because God's grace gave you the ability to be a father. So talk about that. Sure. Uh, Well, first off, it's all under God's grace Mm -hmm. uh, for that, because I had no idea what I was doing as as a father. And so God gave me Diane, who had such a wonderful nurturing nature. And so we we had this uh, um, this pact or this agreement that she would read about parenting or babies and then she would teach me. So, cause I, I, I didn't know anything. I really right. didn't. And so mm-hmm. she would, and she is a, a wonderful student of God's word and mm-hmm. just also of, of knowledge in different books. And so that was, I think God's grace in my life. So what I look back on that is just being willing to be educated in mm-hmm. how to be a father. So if you don't have a wife that is looking to, um, you know, educate herself and then educate her husband, you have to take that initiative. And so mm-hmm. one of the things that I've learned that the definition of a man, and I've learned to invest this in my boys is to reject passivity, accept responsibility, live courageously and wait on God's reward, not, not manipulating to get your own reward. Like I was using debt, mm-hmm. but wait mm-hmm. to get the rewards uh, from God. And so with that, as a, as a man, you need to take responsibility and take initiative to go out and learn how to, how to father. So that was the first grace in that. And as I'm going through my own relationship with the Lord, uh, and I'm in the word of God, he's teaching me certain things, how to, uh, to be a father, such as to be gentle with my children and not to exasperate them. So mm-hmm. I'm, I shouldn't be yelling at my kids. I shouldn't be spanking my kids out of anger, Mm -hmm. but out of love. And Mm -hmm. so that was a huge practical application because in growing up in my house, you were either swatted with anger or yelled at or something like that. So that was the practical side of learning how to be a father. And then just the other thing was really humbling myself to the servanthood of being a father. My wife takes first priority, my kids take second priority. And then after that, if there's time for me, then I would have to, uh, I could do some of the things that I want to do. But I remember giving up several activities as a man Mm -hmm. that I enjoyed to then invest in my wife and invest in my kids. And so God taught me to start pruning areas of your life that are more me focused to then be we focused as Mm -hmm. a family. So that was really how God 
fathered me and educated me was through his word and through my relationship with my wife and what she studied in different books and in the word of God. And then really just humbling myself to learn and then actually do the things that uh, he's, he was telling me to do. So that was one of the things that, uh, again, I was uneducated in a lot of areas in my life because I didn't have a dad that was showing me how to work on a mm-hmm. car or change a mm-hmm. tire or you know do finances or any of that, but just be open to uh, receiving that education, receiving that um, love and instruction, and then actually implementing it in your life. Wow, we got to put those in the show notes for sure. So you're, I just hear you saying that you were teachable. Um, you were teachable and then you put, you were intentional mm-hmm. and then you were willing to put into action these things that you were learning. So what would you say to that young man who might be listening today? He's not even thinking of marriage and being a dad right now. He might be afraid of that. And so, mm-hmm. but what would you say to a young man who doesn't have a dad? What's some encouragement that you would offer him? Give him some hope. The first thing I would say is that the first major decision that he needs to make is to become a follower of Jesus. Mm-hmm. That, that's the first step to become healed from this fatherless wound that we have or a father wound mm-hmm. uh, that we have. Mm-hmm. And so that would be the first step. And then after that is to then be a part of a small group mm-hmm. of men. So if, the, if you're in your teenage years, that's going to be your youth group mm-hmm. at your church. And from there, ask someone to mentor you. So here's what I've learned recently, Lori, is that mentors don't go out and seek mentees. They don't. But they're available for the mentees. And this is something that uh, I have learned as well uh, in doing lots of mentoring is that I'm waiting for someone to raise their hand and say, Hey, Chris, will you take some time for me? Because then I know they're serious about their journey and really learning. And so I would say to the teenager or even uh, a college age young man, or even a young married or young father, or even a father that is mm-hmm. still dealing with some of these father wounds is to go out and seek a mentor, someone that is going to uh, have a biblical worldview instead of a, you know, um, a secular worldview. And, and then from there, trust the process that God is taking you through. Mm-hmm. That's, I've always been very competitive. I've played college sports and, and been very competitive. And so winning was always a part of my DNA. But what I've learned is that This is a process that God's going to take you through, and it's a lifelong journey. So just start with the basics, you know, prayer, Bible reading, tithing. Those are at baptism. Those are the Mm -hmm. the basic Christian uh, articles that you start with. And then from there, God is going to use life and circumstances to reveal the other more difficult ones that we, how we live and, and skillfully work with. And so trust that process that God's taking you through. That is so good. Such wisdom. Mentors comes up often. And again, I say this often to you moms, because we are going to do more than a mini series probably on mentoring. Chris, you'll definitely be back when we get to the that Great. on down the road, because moms desperately want mentors for their children. Mm-hmm. And you desperately need mentors for your children. 
I think that comes more in the teenage years. And then moms, you will be intentional about asking men to mentor your sons because they're not going to even have the mindset to ask for that in their teenage years. So when they're in your home, mom, you get to be intentional about including mentors. And then it's a good point that you say, Chris, that then it comes to a point where you were intentional about Mm -hmm. asking for mentors. And I remember I had one son that didn't have a lot of mentoring in his life. A lot of men weren't coming and, you know, wanting, not wanting, they just weren't, he just didn't have a lot of mentors, but he got to a point in college and I'm like, well, it's your turn to just ask for mentors. And so I've watched some of mine be intentional as adults to find those mentors, because I think that's just biblical, older people investing in younger, you know, we talk about the older woman. That's kind of one of the whole point of this podcast is not that I've been there, done that and have all this wisdom. I'm just older. So I'm just older and want to come alongside of you who are younger and encourage you. So that's great, great help, Chris. How would you encourage a single mom who is raising fatherless sons? Let's start with what are some pitfalls or things that you would encourage her to refrain from. So looking back, you didn't, you know, how would you encourage, how would you, do you wish someone had encouraged your mom? Again, often single moms are doing the very best they can. They're trying to pay the bills. They're trying to work two, three jobs. They're overwhelmed. So what are some pitfalls that you have seen or observed that you would encourage these moms to avoid? Yeah, I think the first thing that comes to mind is, looking back when my mom was working three jobs just to provide for us that that set in me so here's some encouragement moms is that set in me a work ethic that was incredible and mm-hmm. i get that work ethic from my mom and i still tell her that to these days whenever i call her and talk to her i'm i'm always saying hey thanks mom for that work ethic so mm-hmm. I know you have to work hard and I know you have to uh, provide. Know that there's uh, God's grace during that time for your your children mm-hmm. and God will provide that that grace during that time. And know that, that's the other thing, is that you moms need to, to know that God is on your side and desires for you mm-hmm. uh, to be successful in life and then also as, as a mother and have your children to be uh, successful uh, too. Uh, we look, I was just talking to one of my, my youngest son at the blessing banquet we had last night, Lori, at mm-hmm. First Baptist. Mm-hmm. And I talked to him that I was articulating a vision for him. And his vision is that, you know, God has created us to work. And that's either, and wherever you work, you're in ministry doing it at the same time. And so he is now, from that perspective, you moms that you're working hard are showing that 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 work ethic to your kids. So that that's one thing. And then from a pitfall perspective is thinking that your your kids are not going to turn out okay. Mm. I, I believe that if you are a mom that is taking your kids to a, a Bible believing church that mm. believes in the power of God and the healing of God, mm-hmm. I believe that if you continue that that process with you, then there will be some great moments, even though your kids are, are going to be uh, making some choices that 
you may you may not like or, mm-hmm. or whatever, but just to know that God is on your side is, is really the the important part. Because I remember my mom just struggling with her emotions just because we were the poor family, the one that you know looked different than everybody else in the church, in the community, at school, all of that. And so just to be encouraged that the work that you're putting in now does not go unnoticed. That is so good and such encouragement for moms and young men, for sure. I always say the fruit, you'll see the fruit in the next season. Often we're planting seeds and we're watching that seed and we want to see it grow. We want to see fruit. You're not going to see it, but you will see it in the next season. So if you're making an investment now with good seed, you're going to see some positive fruit. Be careful of the woe is me mindset, moms, because this is the journey that God has allowed for your life. And so be careful of, you know, looking at this traditional family with the mom and dad, which God absolutely designed. Your family's going to look different. You are looking up to God as father. And that's different. And it's still good. It's oh so good. Yes. So I guess let's just close, Chris, how have you used, allowed God to use suffering for good in your life? And I know that's, again, one of the banners over your life is that he has used suffering for good. So how has he done that? And then I would just love for us to close with a prayer, if you would pray for these moms and for any fatherless young man listening today. Sure, will do. As I look back as an athlete, and I remember the the hardest times that I had to go through, whether it was in practice or a game, those were the times of, of growth in my life. So that suffering that came in my life at an early age, suffering through different types of abuse, suffering through uh, loss of a dad through divorce, suffering through abandonment where I was alone most of the time. And I remember in that time of bitterness and anger going through that forgiveness, but that has made me who I am today. So everything that God has allowed me to go through has made me, Chris Tuttle, who God has intended for me to know, because he knows exactly what, what I'm going through and he's directing my path. And so he wants to use that then to then encourage and help others. And so what I had to do was get my mind off of myself and get it onto God. And God is about others. And so that was a transition I had to make was that was the first thing, the learning I had. Then this, the second learning I have is really, uh, we hear a lot of about uh, mental anxiety and, and just mm-hmm. mental issues in our day. And that the suffering that God has brought me through has, has given me mental toughness mm. or mental strength. So when I, when I see something or something comes against me, so maybe years ago, if someone had an issue with me, being a people pleaser, that would bring lots of anxiety to me. Mm-hmm. When I hear someone that is maybe against me today, then I have a different response. First off, my response is I'm a child of the king. Mm-hmm. And what can I do now to, to make that relationship right? Mm-hmm. Or if it's unwarranted issue with me, then God can, can allow me to say, that's something that you don't need to worry about. So it, it's something that doesn't 
affect my moods or my emotions or anything going forward. So that's where I really see that the two areas uh, that suffering has helped me in is to really allow me to, to use it for others and then to really bring that mental toughness in that God has given me. So that, again, that's the renewing of the mind that God's allowed to happen. Wow. I love that. It's so good, Chris. One thing I think we all have to be careful of. I know some you've referred to yourself as struggling with being a people pleaser, but we have to fear God and not man. Mm -hmm. And so I hear that, that God's brought you to that place where you've understood and you live knowing your identity is in Christ. You are a child of the King and you are serving the kingdom of God. And he is used this suffering, which he always does for good. And I would say he's used it for his glory. So thank you so much. Uh, I, I want you to pray and then we'll just close out this podcast and just thank you for being with us today. Yeah, it's been a real pleasure to be on and uh, have the utmost respect uh, for you and your family and just love seeing how God works in it on a daily basis. So thank you, Lori. Let's pray. Lord, we just want to lift you up uh, as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You are uh, the highest authority and the most powerful out there. And so, God, we just uh, want to tap into that uh, power and that authority that you allow us to have. And God, we ask that you would bring great healing, great wisdom, great strength to the moms that are listening to this uh, podcast today. Father, would you just remind them of how precious they are. Uh, I know that in your word, in Ephesians, you talk about that we are your inheritance and inheritance is a very valuable thing. And so first and foremost, uh, each of those uh, moms, the widows or abandoned or divorced moms, they are extremely valuable. So remember that moms, that you are extremely valuable uh, to God and you have a great purpose and calling on your life. And even through the struggles, I pray God would give you strength uh, and grace and grace upon grace upon grace during this time as you step through uh, this time with being a mom without having a husband and with your children not having a father. I pray that uh, God's grace would be with you and that you would um, just bring great perseverance and great hope uh, to you. I bring that he would bring that to you uh, now. Thank you for meeting with us today and meeting uh, the practical needs of, of the widow and the fatherless. And I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. All right, everyone, we have struck gold today. We struck gold. And when you strike gold or when you dig for gold and you get that treasure, maybe you don't wanna share it with others, but I want you to share this with others today. Please share this episode with your friends who are raising kids without a dad. Please share it with those young men who are growing up without a father because Chris, thank you. You have really encouraged us today and you've given us hope. And I say this every time, but somehow if you give us a rating and if you give us a review, it shares the episode and it connects us with other people. So God is already connecting us with people in other countries, which is super exciting. So keep keep doing that because we really want them to know that they are not alone when God is Father. Have a good day.